0: As ag teachers, we focus much of our time, effort, and planning on our students. But what about our own areas of growth? Taking control of our own professional development—that's today's topic on Owl Pellets. Welcome to Owl Pellets: Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas. Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Scott Smalley from Iowa State University, welcome to Al Pellets. Well, it's good to be here with you. Well, thank you so much. That sounded (laughs) very Iowan.
1: Good to be here with (laughs) you. I think that would be an Iowa accent, phrase. Maybe Minnesota more. Aren't you guys close? We are close. They they would be north of us in Iowa. That's what I thought the map said. Sounds right. And that is today's geography lesson by Marshall. (laughs) Thank you, Marshall.
0: (laughs) Don't you know? They're right by each other, don't you know? (laughs) And and here's this guy on on podcasting. Be sure to insult your guest before you get started. It's always good. No, it's, it's we, called we, building
1: relationships, Doctor
0: Myers. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, Scott, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. That is productive to get us keep us moving forward.
2: Yeah, so I had a study actually I did with Iowa agriculture education teachers focusing on the perceived need of professional development, uh, focusing on classroom management and also technical agriculture areas.
1: Okay, so here's what I'm interested in here, teachers. This is a fun time as a teacher to kind of look at, as Brian invented, Iowegians, he invented this word. So, you know, I'm curious, what are the key needs for class management and for um, content areas? And then it'll be fun to kind of wrestle with and think about if you're listening to this podcast, do these resonate with you or would it be different or whatever? So this is like the top 10 list. I'm ready. What do we need?
2: What do we need? So the top five areas that were focused on classroom management, the teachers highlighted, is that they needed help with motivating students to learn. They needed help with uh, teaching and managing land laboratories. They needed assistance with properly properly implementing of IEPs, teaching students decision-making skills, and also developing uh, performance-based assessments uh, were kind of the things that they had highlighted around classroom management areas. Some of the areas that were highlighted that focused on the training needs, uh, teachers indicated they need assistance with uh, knowledge and skills associated with uh, biotechnology. They wanted assistance in integrating uh, current advancements in agriculture into their curriculum. They needed assistance in the area of agribusiness. They uh, also needed uh, assistance in teaching public issues uh, related to agriculture, and then also knowledge and skills that are related to agricultural mechanics.
0: This is very cool because, you know, we're we're getting ready to start the season here. Teacher professional development happens all the time. Good things are home. We can do needs assessments. We can do things. But this is so interesting about the way you guys broke this down. And I guess one of the things that first jumped out to me when you start looking at that first list that you gave us, those things really, to me, broke down into two big categories. One kind of just the general teaching kind of thing that, I mean, I'm thinking, Teaching science, reading, math, whatever, probably motivating students to learn is going to be something for any kind of teacher to do here. But then he goes, teaching in the land laboratory. You know, so th- this is, That's something that's pretty unique to ag teachers. So what are we doing to kind of help them to—to to, for teachers to get those things that are more general teaching that they might get other places? And those kind of things that are just specific to ag teachers that are so much different than everybody else.
2: Yeah, I think that's an important point to make. I mean, when we talk about land laboratories or a greenhouse or any of those types of things, those are uh, time cons- uh, consuming, and more importantly, how do you engage that into your curriculum? Yeah, students love hands-on activities, but I think it's sometimes uh, hard for teachers to justify how do they go ahead and, and uh, do those throughout a curriculum or throughout the entire semester and make sure those facilities are really utilized to so their fullest potential.
1: And it's interesting because you know, without really knowing having those teachers right here with us you know it's getting it's getting more and more challenging i think if i were in the classroom today it would be getting more it would be more challenging every time i go into a greenhouse and i see the technology advanced it's like holy cow what is this thing that like robotically waters your plants and then you know if you were to go out to a land lab today and looking at the technology that's used in this agronomic type production i mean Ag is moving so fast that in order to stay relevant, I think it's the biggest challenge of an ag teacher right now is keeping up with laboratories that are supposed to mimic today's agricultural practices, but those practices seem to be changing every five days.
2: Well, I think it's even harder if, you know, if you're if you in a district where maybe you inherited a system or facility too and you don't know how it's been utilized in it previously. I think that becomes a challenge for our teachers uh, at the same time. And, and maybe one of the biggest areas is, is try to find that community expert and try to utilize a community expert within those content areas or specific areas to, how to that may be up on the latest and greatest technology.
0: Well, and this is the other thing that makes us different if you have a, a livestock facility or any kind of animal facility, those animals want to eat every day. They don't care whether or not they're part of your lesson plan or whatever else. Or if you have if you have a, a, a garden or a greenhouse or something like that, the weeds, I mean, there's maintenance that has to be done every day. So how do you make that as part of the learning experience? So it's not just maintenance. And so trying to really balance the the, the learning opportunity there with just how do you keep things operational? is I think is so important and a big thing that we see a lot of times, at least in Florida and I think across the country as well.
1: So I, I kind of wonder as, as we've got teachers, you know, maybe you ag teachers are driving into work today or, uh, you know, maybe you're just over your lunch period where you have nothing to do. You know, you're listening to out pellets, but as we look at it, what I start to think about is, um, scott's study really helped identify what do teachers in iowa need help with and so obviously iowa is now going to react by creating and developing opportunities for professional development in in these areas but if you are in kentucky that's not all that useful so i'm curious like these are pretty common things that we see nationally we've seen this confirmed in a number of research studies a lot of these same exact needs IEPs, getting kids motivated, managing labs that are in modern ag, where modern ag is, requires a PhD these days. Um, how we assess and how we help students start to make decisions better. So, what do you guys think? How, if I'm not in Iowa and I'm not gonna have this state of the art training or I'm not gonna rely on the university, what could, let's have that chat, what could teachers be doing? um where is their support
0: for these major areas well i would back up but i would argue even one step before that as an ag teacher i think it's okay if if i see this list and i'm probably struggling with something for me to look on here i i probably have some of the same challenges i'm like that's okay then i'm not the only person that wants to know that i'm not the only ag teacher out there who thinks they need to grow in this particular area so hopefully take a little solace in that that I think sometimes we get our uh, imposter syndrome going and going, man, I am the only person out there that's trying to figure out how to get these kids motivated to learn. Every other actor has got to figure it out. And that's not the case. We're all trying to learn those things. So I think that would be first and foremost, just know that you're not alone in this.
2: I'd have to agree with that because I, I really think that, you know, motivation is one of those things our student population dynamics are changing and depending upon where you're at, you know, they're motivated for different things in many cases. And, and the age group of the students, I think, is, is one of those things as well. But Yeah, being able to reach out and really uh, find an expert in these areas or trying to hone in and improve your skill set in some of these areas can be challenging depending upon what's available to you for professional development. Um, Or, you know, maybe if there's instructional coaches or or coaches within your building that can help you uh, as a professional within your curriculum or classes as possible as well.
1: Okay. So let's play the game, right? So the last five areas of content, if we look at the last five areas of content, those might be different for someone in Minnesota or they might be different for someone in California, right? So we've got these five areas of ag. How can we, as an ag teacher, what are some strategies to start to fill those gaps? Obviously our universities are providing some of that training, but what are, let's just, what are you guys thinking? Um, hopefully you're teaching things that are locally relevant. So I think what Scott just said, you know, surely if wheat production is a major type of production, I think we've kind of gotten away from knowing our farmers, you know, like how are you as a teacher engaged? Do you know your farmers and are you engaging them in your classroom? And I think that um, Brian and Kate and I and Mike actually are all working on a A grant that says let's get teachers back into the local farmers operations because I think the more we can hang out with our agriculturists in the summer um the more we build relationships and that's like automatic pd so that would be one thing I think of for all these content areas is if you know if you're teaching locally relevant stuff and you're engaging with your local industry that that would be a fun way to start to kind of get back to the basics
0: I think you make a great point there, Marshall. I mean, so often we we, we talk about it's impossible for any ag teacher to know everything that's on this list of possible of, of technical skills. And so, if it's important to you, get out there and uh, go back to the source. That's really cool. I encourage. Hopefully, some teachers will take it take yeah. us up on that and and do a little mini internship or externship or something out there with a local producer to get a little more skill set and be be brave enough to go out there and say, "Hey." Yes, I'm the ag teacher, but I don't know everything about ag.
2: I think those are great points because you're exactly right. You know, We can always continuously improve our skill set by doing those little internships or even mentoring or job shadowing somebody because do we really know what happens in all facets of production, agriculture, more importantly, um, or, or even in processing, food processing or whatever else we may be talking about? we can certainly go ahead and and take pictures and more importantly, learn and be able to uh, rely that information then to our students in the classroom as well.
1: Okay. Next point in the game. Another need motivating. So teachers out there driving to work, what should be the key motivator? How should we like, let's like, what do you guys think about that? I, in my head, I'm thinking, man, this is where SAE for all has come hit a home run lately. I mean, I never thought about it as an ag teacher. How do we motivate the students? And I always had all the like basic, simple, crappy methods. But now that SAE for All is saying the number one reason we are in these classrooms is to prepare students for a successful career. So I don't know when I hear that need, like, man, my kids just aren't motivated to learn. Man, if I could hook them into a career plan... All those SAE for all resources right now, if every kid was working towards a wage earning career, um, that's where I would go if I were looking at that as an issue. What do you guys think?
2: I think that's a great aspect to look at because if we can connect them to what they want to do down the road, in some cases, they don't know what they want to do. But if we can at least go ahead and provide them some some paths to help find them out what they want to do, I think it's a great opportunity for them.
1: That was my knuckle, by the way. If you just heard that, sorry, um, podcast listeners. I just popped my knuckle, and it was really loud. I could hear it on Brian's speakers, so apologize. Um, but no, Scott. I think, as in, you know, experientially, if if the kiddos aren't driving the learning, you know, and and the school system is just built for them to just sit there and take in information. And it's so crazy because ag teachers, you're, it's the one spot where you have the freedom to flip that and turn lear- learning inside out rather than outside in. And it's, it's interesting because you can just hear these ag teachers saying, man, kids are just coming in, sitting down, and they're just wanting to be learned on rather than engaging in that. It seems like a real opportunity for us.
0: Well, well I go back and think about the that little motto we had probably – five, 10 years ago, about rigor, rigorous, rigor and relevance. I think we didn't do enough on the relevant side. I think what you're saying here, Marshall, is we have an opportunity to really make this relevant to each student and what's been happening. And again, that but again, going back to the ag teachers, that takes time. And I, I think luckily as ag teachers and, and some more things are being developed, if we can get trained up on those and know how to use them, it can actually make our jobs easier and more effective uh, when working with those kids.
1: IEPs.
2: How do we help teachers? If I were a teacher driving in, what do I do with that? I think one of the hard things with implementing IEPs is sometimes in some districts, I hear teachers say it's hard to even understand what the student needs in the first place. Maybe our special education departments isn't relaying the correct information. Um, And I think at the end of the day, we all want our students to learn. And more importantly, our classes are some of the best classes for them to really learn and and, uh, excel at. So I think it's important that we give them uh, opportunities uh, for them to learn but really even having that conversation with our special education teachers of of certain students or making sure we have a good understanding of what we can do to help them.
1: You know, as a principal, it was always interesting because I had never seen it from a principal's perspective, but as an ag teacher, I always kind of gave myself an out. Like I'd be like, Oh, I mean, I know they're asking for someone to go to these IEP meetings, but I can't, I have to go sell sausage or I have to go check the greenhouse or I mean, some other teacher that just is doing the basic teaching, let them do it. I'll go. I've got, a, I've got to things going on, but I think at my second school I taught at, it was not an option. You had to go to those IEP meetings as a part of the team. And as a principal, I noticed that the ag teachers kind of just did not see themselves as a part of that function of the school. But, you know, I sat in every IEP meeting of the school that I administered and as a teacher, if you're an ag teacher, I would say, try to go to some of these IEP meetings. It helps you understand the portfolio. It helps you understand the accommodations. It helps you kind of think through what it means for ag. So that's, when I always see this IEP thing, it, it always makes me think as a principal, the ag teachers weren't often involved in my IEP meetings. So that's one thing I would say is, put yourself on a couple of the IEP teams for kids that you want to advocate
2: for. I always felt like I learned a lot jump in those meetings. But well, I think it's, you're also learning about more about the kid too and about their background. And, and, and sometimes, you know, some of our kids don't come from the best home life and we can help support them throughout that day within the, our classes that they have to uh, help them achieve what they can or provide them some goals and aspirations of, of achieving things in the classroom.
1: Yeah. And I I even think that starts at the pre-service level. Like a few times when you ask pre-service teachers, hey, what are your accommodations for this class? They'll say, I don't know. No one gave me those. I can't find them. I don't know what they are. I I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this. I don't understand what this means. Fewer questions on an exam. And it's like, they don't have any ownership in those accommodations. And I think if we could flip that, And, you know, if you're a part of creating the accommodations or modifying the accommodations, now there's something you've been a part of creating those. And so I think engaging in that process takes you from being passive to more active. I think it's awesome that your teachers came up with that as one of the
0: needs. I think that's a really cool first step. One of the things as we kind of wrap up this conversation, I wanted to last to spend a little time talking about something that, that uh, we did here in Florida several years ago now. We did a similar kind of a needs assessment here, but we asked teachers um, basically what they felt that they knew the most about and what they felt they needed, uh, what they wanted their more professional development on. And the thing we found was most of the time teachers rated the things they knew the most about were the things they wanted more professional development on. The things they knew the least about, they didn't want, they didn't want any professional development on. So, and especially when we're talking about ag technical knowledge. So basically, if they knew a lot about animal sciences, they wanted to do more on animal sciences rather than to, to increase their skills on plant science or something like that. So how do you think all of this plays into how we as state leaders live out and, and use this information that you got for us here, Scott? Well, I think it's important to obviously
2: uh, uh, use it for the future professional development, but it's interesting what you found in Florida of how they wanted more information on those technical areas. I would probably say in terms of the example of biotechnology, for example, we probably don't do a good enough job in in sharing it. Yes, we've started a pilot biotechnology crew development event a few years ago, but we probably haven't provided them enough resources and information to do a really good job on biotechnology. There's a lot of great companies out there that provide resources, but we maybe haven't done as good of a job as, as we could have on that specific area. Um, you know, I think we do a, a, an okay job of giving the basic skill set for agriculture mechanics, but there's a lot of teachers that would like to have more uh, in certain content areas, or they just maybe had a few days or a week, uh, you know, a lesson on that versus having expanded technical skills in those areas.
0: Well, Scott, this has been a great conversation and a lot of great stuff for us to be thinking about, those of us that are classroom teachers, those that are those of us that are state leaders on how we're looking at these things. More importantly, as, as professionals, those of us in education, we need to continue to sharpen our saw and hone those skills and be engaged in that and uh, engage in our local communities as well as um, be, take take charge of our own professional development. And I think so often, I know as an IT teacher, I, I often delegated or relegated my professional development to my ag teacher association whatever kind of things they planned i kind of went to rather than being more proactive and i encourage a lot more teachers to use what marshall suggested get do a local kind of a, even a a weekend or a two or three day ride along in the pickup truck with some local producers is going to teach you a whole lot about ag in your community and even if you're from there you're going to learn more about about what's going on so take an active role in your professional development i think would be one thing i'd encourage our listeners to, to take from this
1: And one thing to think about as teachers is you get to double dip here. Most of your state evaluation systems, so most of your principals, when they evaluate you, one of your domains of evaluation is professional development. So it's really nice as a principal when a teacher can come in and say, hey, you know, I've really identified these areas as my areas of growth, and this is what I'm doing to help kind of grow in those areas Man, that was always impressive as a principal. And then in Iowa, it's nice if you align it with your needs assessment, because then the state is also going to be providing, um, you know, Iowa states, that's what they live to do, is to help teachers in the areas they have needs. So you can also double dip and use this with your evaluation system.
0: Well, Scott Smalley, Iowa State University, thank you so much for being here. Everybody out there, take a chance uh, and, and check out the work that Scott and the rest of the team there at Iowa State is doing. Uh, Scott, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Brian and Marshall. Appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Al Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Al Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It'd also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellet's Tips for Ag Teachers.